Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Park Lawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. I want to focus on my age group and over. As Bishop Mawinda said, I'm 25 and holding. <laughs> Truth is, I've been 25, uh, let's see, how many times? I don't know, 33 times? <laughs> if you're over the age of 50... I won't ask you to stand because I know that might be a challenge for some of us. Just wave your hand. Just wave your hand. Just look around. Look around. Yes. Praise God. Those of you who stood or who waved your hand, I want to ask you a question. What will your legacy be? What will, what will be the crowning achievement of your life? What will be that, that line in the sand that you wrote that the, the tides of life and time did not wash away? What will be your claim to fame? What will you be remembered for? What's your brand? And when people think about you and remember you, they will remember what you stood for. I want to I challenge you this morning, and I want to encourage you. God has created you not to just live a normal, routine, ordinary life, but he has created you and empowered you so that you would make a difference, and when you are gone, the difference that you have made will still live on. Amen. You're not on this earth by accident. You're not just marking time. You're not just getting up on Sunday morning and coming to church and going home and, and feeling like you've done your duty. You are here to live a legacy and to leave a legacy. I want to caution the, the young and the old today. I ain't mad at nobody, but I'm just going to let both of us generations know we don't have time to waste. Come on, if you're, if you're over 50... You had more time on the other end of life than you do on the back end. Come on, let's just keep it real. You ain't got no time to waste. Come on, that's a reality check. Microphone check, one, two, one, two. Come on, we no, have no time. Ephesians tells us, let us redeem the time because the days are evil. Let us not be unwise, walking like those who are living after the flesh. Open up your eyes and realize that you have been called to leave a legacy behind. The challenge for the young folk is that they live like they got all the time in the world. I'm fin to, I'm about to, I'm going to get around to. 
I was thinking about that, thinking about going to college, thinking about getting up, applying for a job. Just live like they got all the time in the world. They walk like they got all the time in the world. I'm coming. I'm running. What you mean? I'm running. Don't look at nobody. Just keep looking at me. Talk like they got all the time in the world. You want to finish their sentences for them sometime, don't you? But when it comes to driving, oh, oh, they know how to drive fast. Know how to text fast. If you really want to live a legacy and leave a legacy behind, then my advice is to invest in the next generation. And start with children. Let me tell you why. Because if we really understood the impact that we could have on life, on the world, and on children, and the spiritual blessings that they represent, and those blessings that will live from generation to generation, I'm sure every one of us would, would be in a waiting list, on a, in a line to sign up, say, hey, I'm going to invest in children. Come on, we got waiting lines and waiting lists for all kind of stuff. The iPhone 10 came out. Some of y'all camped out at the iPhone store. Wait till the iPhone 11 come out. You're going to be on a waiting list. The newest technology come out. We want it. The newest fashion come out. We want it. A sale go on at Boston store. They going out of business. We, we in line. We need some people to invest in the next generation of children. That ain't my calling. That ain't my gift. The line is empty. I think it's because we don't understand the impact that God has called us to live for eternity. Not just to live your life for the latest technology or the latest fashions or try to impress people. He's called you to live for eternity. And I don't think we see the end. We don't live with the end in view. We, we live for what we can see right now. And Jesus tells us that, that, that children are important. There are statistics that indicate that more people come to Christ by salvation when they are young than when they are old. So it's telling us that the odds of populating heaven and depopulating hell are better if we're investing in children. In other words, it's easier to raise a child than it is to rehabilitate an adult. See, some of y'all, you know, ain't, ain't really worth the investment, but we're going to love you anyway. <laughs> Jesus said, unless we become like a child, we can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. Children are, they're worth the investment. They're ready, they're willing, they're, they're able, they're, they're yielded, they're open. They don't have to be entertained. They don't have to be primed and, and pumped up and, you know, pampered, right? You let somebody, you let the air conditioning come out one day. Oh, I'm leaving. The Lord didn't tell me to go to church today. Kids don't care nothing about that. You tell them Jesus loves you. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Oh, God loves me. I remember leading my granddaughter to the Lord at age four on the way to church as she was sitting in the back seat of the car. 
You know how hard that is sometimes trying to lead an adult to the Lord? You got to have 20 conversations with them. You got to prove to them the existence of God. You got to take them to Jerusalem a couple times. Let me see the place where he laid his head. And then I might believe. In 2008, 2009, we, we launched a capital campaign to renovate this older uh, part of our sanctuary, a gymnasium. But we also launched a campaign to, to raise $5 million called Fulfilling the Dream, to build a bookstore, to build a music and fine arts wing, to build a cafe, new office space. But the prime piece was our children's ministry center children's church built with a indoor slide I don't know if you can go to any other church in the inner city of Milwaukee and find an indoor slide the Lord said build this for the generations to come not for your generation but for the generations to come so that when the babies wake up in the morning they would literally run into their parents' room and rouse them up from their bed and say, we got to get to church. They're going to close the slide if we're late. I, I, I envisioned God saying that he wanted this to be a church that embraced children and prioritized children and lived with eternity in view and, and recognizing that if we lead children to Christ, we can impact generations to come. I was the first person to go down that slide. And only went down one time, just one time. That's all I needed. That right turn is wicked, y'all. I don't know if you ever been down that slide. Hey, hey, when you're 50, take the elevator or the stairs. You don't want to go down that slide. It's built for kids for a reason. We got to live for eternity. Number two, we got to live for God's priorities. God's priority is children. In the midst of his ministry, in the midst of the crowd, Jesus said, hey, let the little children come to me. They're my priority, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on all of them. Disciples didn't see him as a priority. They said, wait a minute, get these kids away from Jesus. He's too busy. No, Jesus said, no, this is my priority. Number three, we got to live to give. If you really want to live a legacy and live a legacy, you got to live to give. You got to stop seeing children and youth as a problem to be fixed, as a, as a price that you have to pay. You got to recognize that this is an investment. This is not costing me. I'm investing. Come on. Buy some stuff that has, that, that has accruable value to it instead of depreciation. Children and youth are that investment. You got to live to give. In fact, you're going to earn more than what you gave out when you invest in children. It's not costing you. It's not, it's not a sacrifice. I got to go down and work with the kids today. No, you get to go down and work with the kids today. These children are helping you to become more holy. Amen. They teaching you love, joy, peace, patience, faith, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. You need some patience? Work with the children. They will teach you some lessons. They, they will teach you not to just value the gifts of the Spirit. You know, adults, we're all into the gifts. No, children will teach you the fruit of the Spirit. That's what God is looking for, fruit, not gifts. 
And this is the last reason that I offer you to invest in children. God has called us to live to make a difference. When you invest in a child, you lead a child to Christ, you don't realize, but you are changing not only that child, but the generations to come after. I don't know about you, but that's, that's so much worth more than, than a new suit at Boston store going out of business sale. 70% off, even though it's, oh, 70% off. Yeah, children are worth much more than that. You can make much more of a difference. Here's a scripture in Psalm 78 that challenges the older generation to share what God has done in our generation with the younger generation. Psalm 78 and 2 says, I will declare wise sayings. I will speak mysteries from the past. In fact, if you're over 50, let's, let's read this together. Let's go. One, two, three. I will declare wise sayings. I will speak mysteries from the past. Things we have heard and known that our fathers have passed down. Verse 4. To us, we will not hide them from their children, but will tell a future generation the praiseworthy acts of the Lord, his might, and the wondrous works he has performed. He established a testimony in Jacob and set up a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children so that a future generation, children yet to be born, might know. They were to rise and tell their children so that they might put their confidence in God and not forget God's works, but keep his commands. Then they would not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not loyal and whose spirit was not faithful to God. That's what our challenge and our, our call is. That's our privilege to invest in the next generation. So if you want to change the future of our city, of our community, if you want to change the future of families, then serve the children. Serve the babies. While you're changing diapers and burping babies and, and comforting them and, and sitting in those small chairs and singing and reading stories and, 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 and coloring with them and laughing with them, you're changing generations. You're changing families. You're changing people who have not yet even been born. So long after you are gone, you are still living a legacy in the lives of those children. I asked Pastor Jason, our family life pastor who uh, oversees children's ministry, if he would not set up a table in the Welcome Center today so that after this message, those of you who recognize I ain't got no time to waste. God didn't put me here just to watch reruns of Empire and whatever else we pass the time with. But you recognize that, that the greatest investment I can make is in the life of a child, that you would go out to that table and meet him and his staff and write your name down and say, with the time that I have left, I want God to use me I don't have much, but use me, God. And I'm, I'm telling you, when you come to the end of your life and when you step into eternity, there's going to be some children who come after you who are going to say thank you because of your investment I'm here today. 
you made a difference. Can we give God some praise for the challenge to live a legacy? Every one of us has a purpose and every one of us has a destiny. And what I just said relates to what I'm going to say now. And that is that the older generations have been called to pour into, to mentor, to cover, to correct, to protect, and even to prophesy over the younger generations. That's, that's our privilege. Those of you who waved at me 50 and over, that's our call today. Every one of us has a purpose But let me just share this with you, that the younger generation carries a greater anointing. The younger generation carries a greater anointing. How do I know this? Well, Elizabeth, who was the older cousin of Mary, she gave birth to John the Baptist. John was a great prophet. But Mary, her younger cousin, gave birth to Jesus. I think that's symbolic. That the two of them are linked together. And I'm going to use their, their story and that text to kind of illustrate how we ought to relate to one another, the older generation and the younger generation. We need each other. Our purposes are tied together. They're connected to one another. My older generation desperately needs what the younger generation has inside of them. We need what you have. And we're going to call it forth today. We're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to prophesy. We're going to lay hands on the younger generation at the end of this service. And your generation, that younger generation, you need us who are older to cover you, to release you to be that next generation of giant killers. My text this morning is in Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, in verse 5, it tells us, In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Just keep that up there. Verse 5 says, in the days of King Herod of Judea. Y'all remember Herod? That's that fellow that tried to kill Jesus. It's interesting that Luke, who is a medical doctor, but also an historian, he points out the fact that the time in which John was born and the time in which Jesus was born are much like the times in which we're living today, very dangerous times. These are dangerous times to be a child. These are dangerous times to be young, gifted, black, white, brown, yellow, red. These are dangerous times. The spirit of murder that was roaming the Judean hills back in John and Jesus' day, that same spirit of murder is wrecking havoc in our community today. Just like it was then, so it is now. In verse 7, the text text tells us that they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. Verse 13 says, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Now the angel is speaking to Zechariah and said, Do not be afraid because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will name him John. There will be great joy and delight for you. Many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. 
He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the understanding of righteousness, to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. How can this be? Zechariah asked the angel. For I am an old man, and my wife is well, well along in years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place. Because you did not believe my word, which will be fulfilled in the proper time. This, this text begins by telling us that Elizabeth and Zechariah, they had a longing to have children. But in all of their years of marriage, they were unable to conceive. And now here they are well along in years. They've given up hope. They've lost faith. And they're going through the motions. Zechariah is going through the religious motions of what's required of being a priest, but he doesn't have faith. That's, that's a picture of the older generation today. That many of us have been doing this thing called church so long, we know how to do it with our eyes closed. But do you have faith? Do you have love in your heart? So that when God really does show up, do you embrace the move of God or do you res respond with doubt and unbelief? And as a result of Zechariah's doubt and unbelief, the angel said, from this, that's the last word you're going to say for the next nine months because you didn't believe what the Lord has said. This message not only contrasts some of the differences between the young and old generation, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down this road to point out some of the differences of men and women. Now, men might be of a few words, but men generally don't have a problem lifting one another up. Is this mic still working? It's quiet in here this morning. I say men generally don't have a problem lifting one another. We good at attaboys. Pats on the back, pats on the butt, fist bumps, high fives. But women are better at tearing one another down than men are tearing other, each other down. See, I ain't scared of none of y'all this morning. I'm just going to let you know. Now, we got our problems as men. We, come on, we like Zechariah. We can lose our voice sometime because we, we lack faith sometimes. Mary asked, and we're going to read this later, Mary asked the angel a similar question when he came to her and said, you're going to also have a son. You're going you're to give birth to Jesus, the son of God. Mary asked a similar question. How shall this be? I've never known a man. But Mary's question was not rooted in doubt and unbelief like Zechariah. Mary represented that, that, that new flow of faith like, wow, this is amazing. So be it unto me, but I just don't understand. And the angel told her, listen, it's going to be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to understand it. You just got to be willing. But the Lord told me as I was preparing this message, he said, men, make room for the Holy Spirit. Make room for the Holy Spirit in your life. I know we're all busy. 
I know we got stuff to do. We got things in our hands. We got places to go. We got to make money. We got to pay the bills. But make room for the Holy Spirit. Can, can you make room for God in the morning before you go and make the money? Before you, your hands grab a hold of whatever that tool is that you work with. Can you lift your hands before the Lord and ask him to anoint them? Can you, can you get a private place of prayer, a prayer closet, or a prayer uh, seat in your car, wherever it might be, but make room for the Holy Spirit? God says, that's why you lost your voice. But he told me to tell you this morning that he's going to give your voice back today, man. Verse 24 of that, that same text says that after these things, this is after Zacharias lost his voice and came out of the temple. After these things, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, and the angel came to her. Verse 20, I'm jumping down to verse 28, but of course this is Mary he's speaking to. angel came to her and said, Greetings, favorite woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. The angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Jump down to verse 34. Mary asked the angel, how can this be? Since I have not had sexual relations with a man. The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One... To be born will be called the Son of God. Wow. Do you all remember two, three weeks ago, the Lord gave us a word for this church and he said, do it now. He said, do it now. Don't wait to be a blessing. Because your assignment is tied together to somebody else's breakthrough and blessing. And the longer you delay in your obedience is disobedience, but you're hindering somebody else's breakthrough. Can you see how Mary and Elizabeth's, their assignment was tied to one another? Now, let me show you the obedience uh, of Mary. Let me, let me see you. Uh, verse 36. The angel said, consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless, for nothing will be impossible with God. This is what Mary said. I'm the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her, and in those days Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah. Young folks, y'all got to pick your feet up. <laughs> Put a belt on, pick your feet up, and run. <laughs> stop shuffling, stop, you know, walking slow. You got to, Mary hurried. Do it now. She hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah. And verse 40 says, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby inside of her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Whoo, glory. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and your child will be blessed. This is, this is Elizabeth prophesying now over Mary. We don't even know if the angel told Elizabeth, your cousin Mary is coming to greet you and Mary's going to give birth to the Son of God. But that moment, Elizabeth began to prophesy over her cousin Mary. 
She said in verse 43, how could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside of me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill what he has spoken to her. She was thanking Mary that Mary said yes. I want to challenge young folks for a moment, especially my young daughters in Christ. As Mary said, behold the Lord's maidservant, she was saying to the Lord, my body is yours to do what you want to do with it. Come on, I'm, she's getting ready to give her body to, to God for the next nine months to carry the Son of God and for the rest of her life to be his earthly mother. I want to challenge my daughters to give your bodies to God. To practice second virginity. Just check in, just check in. Because I didn't get no amens from the brothers. Them young brothers are like, oh man, Bishop blocking this morning. Yes, the Holy Ghost is blocking. Yes, he is. Yes, to practice second virginity. Now, if the sisters are practicing second virginity, brothers, you already know what that means for you. Fall in line. If this was an adult conversation, I'd talk more differently to y'all, but I was a Sunday morning, so I'm going to keep it clean. In fact, I'm prophesying this morning, and I'm making this declaration that just as people who are struggling with alcohol addiction or drug addiction and they go for a long time and then they fall off the wagon, so to speak. And it's often been said that you can take a medicine or whatever that when you do drink or get high, it'll make you sick. I'm praying that the next time you have unmarried sex, you won't even enjoy it. And I'll go even better, that married sex will become even better for those who are married. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name. He's turning the water into wine. Amen. He's saving the best for last. See, that's a good time for, for the single women and single brothers to praise the Lord. Amen. That's, that's a reason to praise the Lord, not fold your hands like, oh, man. I knew I shouldn't have came in. No, that's a time to lift your hands like Mary because that's what she did in verse 46. She said, my soul praises the greatness of the Lord. That's the Magnificat. That's a time to dance up and shout. Bishop proclaimed second virginity over me. Glory. Amen. Go ahead and put a praise on it. See, the older folk clapping, the younger folk like... Do it now. Do it now. Don't wait to be a blessing. Huh. Let me go to verse 56. This is good. Verse 56. Put verse 56 up. There's some young folks up there doing the, doing the slides. They get into it. They fin to. <laughs> 
you get a you get a 50 plus up there, they were like, poop, it's up. Right? Even before you call for it, it's up. Young folks, he said verse 56. There it is. <laughs> I guarantee they're young up there. Verse 56, let's read this together. Go. And Mary stayed with her for about three months. Then she returned to her home. Now, Mary got to her on the sixth month. Elizabeth hid herself for five months. Mary showed up on the sixth month of her pregnancy, greeted her. She and John got filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Mary stayed with her for three months. I wonder what she did for those three months. In the Walter Harvey version of the Bible, she served Elizabeth. Well, you know, the brother wasn't going to do it. Well, Zachariah, he, oh, he lost his voice. He needs some care. She served. She cooked. This woman is six months pregnant, and she, oh, she cleaned. She rubbed her feet. She did her laundry. The 50-somethings are saying, come on now, come on, preach, preach. Them younger ones, they stay silent. She stayed with her. Young folks, you got to slow down and you got to stay a while. Don't be in such a hurry to get to your destiny. That I know you're anointed. I know you're called. I know you're gifted, but you're in a hurry to get there. Slow down. Stay a while. Serve the older. And as they deliver and as they produce, they're producing your covering. They're producing the John the Baptist that's going to be the forerunner to make a way of prepared people for you. Your destiny is tied to them fulfilling their assignment. But in order for her to give birth, Mary had to stay there for three months. You know what I, I, I think about? I'm not going to take you to the scripture. But some of y'all remember David, when David brought the ark back into the, into the city of Jerusalem. Uh, he was attempting to the first time. And David had all the religious stuff. He had a new cart. He had strong priests walking beside the ark. He had new ox, strong oxen pulling the cart. But one of the oxen stumbled over a, a pothole or whatever. And the ark shifted and Uzzah reached out to steady the ark. And the Bible says that God struck him and he died. He should have killed David because it was David's fault that Uzzah died. But God killed Uzzah. And David feared the Lord and he was afraid to go any further. Right where that place, that, that uh, oxen stalled and Uzzah died, they were right outside the door of Obed-Edom. Some of y'all already getting the revelation. David said, I'm not moving the ark anymore. It's going to have to stay here at Obed-Edom's house. You know how long it stayed at Obed-Edom's house? Three months. And the Bible says that the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom as long as the ark was there. And this is what God is saying to the, that younger generation, that if you will sit and if you will slow down and if you will serve and if you will stay, God will take care of you. He will bless your household. It's not costing you anything. Let me go down to verse 59. Verse 59. Hey, all right, somebody 50 that moved up there. When they came 
to circumcise the child. This is about John. On the eighth day, they were going to name him Zechariah after his father, but his mother responded and said, no, he will be called John. Because remember, Zechariah couldn't talk, so mama had to do the talking. Then they said to her, none of your relatives has that name. This is what God is saying is that I'm doing some stuff that's uncommon right now at Park Lawn Assembly of God. Wait a minute, none of, none of you have that name before. We haven't done it this way before. This is, not, this is unusual. This is not traditional. I don't know if I like this. I'm used to the old way. Verse 62, they motioned to his father to find out what he wanted to call him. He asked for a writing tablet and he wrote, his name is John. And they were all amazed. And immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was set free. And he began to speak, praising God. And then his father, verse 67, then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. I want every man to stand up in this place right now. Come on, every man, stand up right now. God wants you to get your voice back, man. He wants you to get your voice back. Zechariah, he couldn't speak, so he motioned with his hand. <sighs> come on, do this with me. Let's write John in the air. Come on, tell him. Come on, come on, let's write John. What shall his name be? <sighs> the moment that he wrote with his hands, in the spiritual realm, what he did with his hands, God manifested in the natural realm and gave him his voice back. He gave him his voice back because he needed to empower his son. And immediately Zechariah began to prophesy as he was filled with the Holy Spirit over his son. God wanted me to ask a question. Where are my dogs at this morning? Where are my dogs at? Where are my dogs at? Who let the dog out? Who let the dog out? Who let the dogs out? Come on, y'all. God said he wants you to get your voice back, men. Some of you men have never been filled with the Holy Spirit. You, you got to make room for the Holy Spirit. I dare you right now, lift your hands before the Lord right now. Lift your hands. I dare you to lift your hands and to begin to cry out and thank God for the whole person of the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ, for sending the person of the Holy Spirit. Get your voice back today, men. God wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can speak life over your children. You can speak life over your sons and over your daughters. Get your voice back, man. Get your bark back this morning, man. Come on, begin to call forth the greatness out of your children right now. With your hands lifted up, call forth the greatness of God that's in them right now. Father, I thank you right now. Greatness is coming out of Nicholas right now. Greatness is coming out of Autumn right now, God. I call forth for the purpose and the plan and the power of God to come out of their lives. No weapon formed against them shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against them, we cast down every stronghold. Lord, I call forth right now purpose and prosperity and power and prominence and, and position. I've called forth for a spirit of discernment and, and the spirit of, of prophecy over their lives right now, God. Thank you, Father. Come on, call it forth over your children right now, man. Verse 76, 
verse 76. Take your seats, man. Verse 76 says what Zechariah said as the Spirit filled him and he prophesied. This is one of the things he said. He says about his son. He says, and you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of the salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. See, fathers... You, you've been called to call and tell your children who they are. To give them that sense of identity. Tell me who I am, Daddy. That's what every child wants to know, whether it's boy or girl. Tell me who I am, Daddy. Girls want to know, am I beautiful? Do you think I'm pretty? Or are you always tearing your daughters down, comparing them to somebody else that you have in your mind as an image of beauty? I grew up in the, in the 60s, and, 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 and there were... There were, there were Images of European beauty on the television. First woman I fell in love with was Catwoman. She was a European Catwoman. It, it wasn't until the 90s that Holly Berry came along as a black Catwoman. I was, all, I was married by then. I couldn't fall in love with Holly Berry. So that was the, that was the, 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 that was the contrast of what I was seeing in reality to what I was seeing on television. And so many of us as fathers, we have torn our daughters down because we have an image of beauty and our, our daughters want to know, Daddy, do you think I'm beautiful? Daddy, do you see me? Daddy, would you protect me if I was in danger or would you tell me you shouldn't have got in that trouble? Nobody told you to do that. No, would you come and rescue me? Would you come and find me if I was lost? Do you think I'm worth it? And your sons want you to call them and tell them who they are supposed to be. What do you see in me, Daddy? That's why when Jesus showed up at the Jordan River, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended. And the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He ain't even done anything yet. I know, but I want him to know that I approve of him. He don't have to achieve. All he got to do is receive. I've called him to be a receiver, not an achiever. He's my son, and I love him. Let me speak to the women this morning before I close. And I apologize for children's workers going overtime this morning. That's why we need some of y'all. Fresh anointing, fresh oil. Let me speak to the women. God told me to share with you four or five. I don't remember how many it was. I think it was five. birth blockers to releasing the next generation of giant killers. These are birth blockers because women, you naturally carry seed and bring forth that child. But he says, listen, the first thing that will cause you to spiritually abort and miscarriage the next generation of giant killers is bitterness. Bitterness, just like Naomi. After losing her husband, Losing both of her sons, moving to a land and experiencing famine and losing all of her possessions and now having to come back to her homeland as a pauper and a beggar, followed by her widowed daughter-in-law, uh, Ruth. She said, listen, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. My name is Mara. My life is bitter. God's hand has turned against me. There are some of you older women that have just become Bitter because of life's disappointments, because of the pain of, of old age and the experiences that you have had in your lifetime. God says you got to stop resenting 
where you are in life. Stop resenting what has happened to you in life. Stop resenting the fact that you're getting old. Selah, think about that. Stop, resist, stop trying to act like you 35 and 45 and cute. Walking around in stilettos and stuff. Get you some of them shoes with the toes open up. And a half inch heel. Hallelujah. That's a, put a praise on it. Stop living with regret, covetousness, discontentment. This is a rhema word for y'all this morning. The Lord said number two, birth blocker is barrenness. Now Elizabeth might have been old, but she was not barren. The Lord says some of you all are, are just old and barren and bitter. Elizabeth was old, but she was not bitter and she was not barren. The Lord says you, he, he wants to impregnate you with the next prophet of God. He wants to impregnate you with purpose. And that, that younger generation have also been given an assignment, but they need you to coach them to become labor coaches and midwives because they've never given birth before. You've, come on, you've done this thing before. You've seen it happen. They don't know how to burp the baby and dress the baby. You ever seen people outside with, with strollers on and it's raining and it's cold and, you know, baby got on shorts? Ain't got no blanket on the baby? Giving the baby Cheerios and wait, they, they six months old, they ain't got no teeth yet. They need a coach. They know how to lay down, but they don't know how to get up and raise the baby. The Lord said, number three blocker is jealousy. He said, women, stop being jealous of one another. Stop being mean to each other. Stop all that cat fighting and infighting and clandestine and, you know, <laughs> under the surface fighting. Spirit of jealousy and remorse and covetousness. She got something that I want. She got a man and I ain't got one. She got the one that I wanted. She got the one that I used to have and I want him back. Jealousy. The Lord said, ask the women, can you all build one another up? The men have no problem doing that. My guy, man, you, man, you let a brother show up and he got on orange and white same suit that I got on, I'm going to give him a high five, a fist bump, say, dude, you got good taste. You let another sister show up with your outfit on. I ain't scared of none of y'all. I'm just letting you know. Thus saith the Lord, can you build one another up? Some, some of the Situations we see happening, even with older and younger women, or it doesn't matter what generation they are, is like the relationship between Rachel and Leah in the Old Testament. Rachel and Leah, these two sisters, 
same father, same mother, had the same husband, but they couldn't speak kindly to each other. They were in constant competition for the love of Jacob. They were constantly at one another, competing and tearing each other down. But you know what the greatest tragedy is that? Is that it went on to the next generation. The competition developed even amongst their children. So much so that when the, when the children got empowered enough, they said, here comes that dreamer, Joseph. Let's, let's kill him and see what happens with his dreams. They couldn't see the destiny inside of one another. When Rachel, the younger one, looked at Leah, the older one, she couldn't see that Leah was a sign to cover her and prophesy and bring forth life out of her. They couldn't see inside. And when Leah, the older one, looked at the younger one, Rachel, she couldn't see. This woman is carrying Joseph. She's carrying our Savior. She's carrying our Deliverer. You've got to have an ability to see it. You've got to see what's inside of your sister. See what's inside of that next generation. See the gifts. See the call. See the purpose. See the strategy of the enemy. So that you can prophesy and you can command uh, the, the powers of darkness to, to flee in Jesus' name. Now, Elizabeth and Mary, they had a great relationship. They had no problem speaking well to each other. They had no problem prophesying, causing one another's babies to leap. And as a result, their sons were able to speak well of each other. John was able to say, hey, behold. The Lamb of God. He takes away the sins of the world. Hey, I'm not the one. No, 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 no. There's one who came after me. He's really before me. I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I just baptized with water. And it wasn't just all about John pointing the way to Jesus. When John was in prison, Jesus asked the question. It says in Matthew chapter 11, he said, go and tell John, in verse 4, what you hear and see. Tell them that the blind receive their sight, verse 5. The lame walk, those who are leprous are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised. The poor have the good news, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. He's encouraging John in the darkest moment of his life. He's in prison. And he's saying, go back and tell John the good news. This brother needs some good news. He needs some encouragement. He needs an attaboy. He needs to, he needs to know, John, your labor is not in vain. That prophecy and all that forerunning you did for me, man, I'm out here doing it and I couldn't do it without you. And verse 7 says, as the men were leaving in Matthew 11, verse 7, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swaying in the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothes? He says, see those who wear soft clothes are in royal palaces. What then did you want to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one of whom it was written, see, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. 
Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one greater than John the Baptist has appeared. I'm telling you, brothers, we ain't got no problem lifting each other up. Ladies, y'all better get some of this. Y'all better get some of this. Get rid of the bitterness. Get rid of the barrenness. Get rid of the jealousy. You need an ability to see what's inside of one another and call it forth. Let me get, it, let me get you out of here quickly. Number four, birth blocker to raising up the next generation of giant killers. I'll just call it what it is. It's a selfish, lazy pessimism. Selfish, lazy pessimism. They ain't going to do right anyway. Why should I waste my time? I tried 20 years ago. It didn't work. It ain't going to work now. You see what they doing? Laying down, having all these babies. Ain't nobody got time for them. Selfish, lazy pessimism. You need some optimism. You need some faith. You need some, some, some go get it, some, some hard work. You need, you need to shake yourself this morning. Be a covering. Be a banner of grace over them. The Lord says you need to begin to see that next, that younger generation with dove's eyes. That's the way Jesus looks at us, with eyes of love. Eyes of compassion, eyes of gentleness. Oh, yeah, he could condemn us, just like the woman caught in the act of adultery. The law followers were expecting Jesus to command them to stone her. He had the ability to do it. He that's without sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. Listen, the problem is none of us are without sin. Even on your best day, you're the worst of sinners. Even when you think you don't have any sin, you got one. Pride, see? You thought you were sinless. Self-deception. Jesus turned to the woman and says, woman, where are your accusers? She looked up and said, no one, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Stop with that attitude. If you stop sinning, then I'll start serving you. If you stop sinning, then I'll pray over you. No, he said, I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. He covered her with a banner of grace. Start speaking with grace over that next generation. And be like Mary. Be like Elizabeth. Open up your home. Say, hey, daughter, for the next three months, I want to meet with you once a week. I want you to come to my house. Yeah, bring them back. I mean, bring those kids with you too. Come on, come on, bring them. Open up my house. Open up my heart. Open up your spiritual womb to birth the next generation. If you make room for the next generation, they're going to help you renew your praise, renew your power. That's what happened to Elizabeth. She began to prophesy over Mary. Let me go on to number five. Almost done. Worship team, come on back. The fifth birth blocker is self-righteous judgment. Mm. Now, I'm not justifying sinful behavior. I don't think Bishop got soft on sin. No, I'm just preaching what the word says about sin. But Christians, we got to become less known for what we're against and more for what we are for. 
every, every statistic that I hear coming out of Christian Research Institute is saying that people are dissatisfied with the church. Not with Jesus, but with the church and his people. Because we're not like Jesus. <laughs> the Bible says Jesus was a friend of sinners. Jesus met that woman at the well. He saw inside of her first. He saw her thirst. He saw the shame that she was underneath. Yeah, he saw all the sin around her and in her past, but he saw inside of her first, and he spoke to that need on the inside. Woman, give me something to drink. He dealt with the thirst before he dealt with her five husbands. We all know what we've done. We know what we've done. In fact, the devil will help you to remember what you've done. We don't need to be reminded of that. But we need to know that there's a God who believes in me. Do you believe in me? Do you see purpose on the inside of me? God is saying to us, like he said to Samuel, the prophet, don't look at the outer appearance like man does. I look at the heart. I want everyone to stand in the house of the Lord this morning. I want to call forth for the wailing women. I want, I want the women who are part of the prayer team to come and stand here first. Women that are part of the prayer team. I'm talking about the assigned Park Lawn prayer team. Because some of y'all, you've been assigned from your last ministry, but not here. Two of y'all come over on this side. Just two. We're going to release that next generation of giant killers. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.